everybody, Lauren here again for the second episode of Healthy Bites Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. This podcast is brought to you by Health Hope Vitality, providing personal training and nutrition guidance online from the comfort of your own home. Visit healthhopevitality.com to get started with your free consultation. And for the most researched nutritional product on the planet, visit breeden.juiceplus.com. Okay, you guys, so today's episode is going to focus on additives that actually take away. Um, I try to have just as much fun creating the titles for these podcasts as I do actually creating the podcast itself. So um, this podcast is going to be talking about food additives, um, what they are, some of the most common ones, and um, their effects. So in particular, uh, let me pull up this first article here. So remember the, the biggest focus of this podcast that I want to provide for you guys is that the information that I provide to you is going to be for your overall health and wellness, of course, but then it's also going to be backed by research. And so along with that, I'm not just going to go to, um, some, Joe Schmlo, whatever blog, um, to find this information. I am actually going to reputable websites that have links in them to the research that they are referencing. So for today, the first um, article or website that I'm looking at is from everydayhealth.com. And the title is, Why are some food additives that are banned in Europe still used in the U.S.? So uh, this is a really interesting fact. And honestly, I did not even realize this until um, I went to Europe myself. So back in 2018, my husband Ray and I visited Ireland um, for our 10th wedding anniversary. And while we were there, (laughs) I noticed quite a few things about um, the people there and the food there. So number one, in Ireland, um, there's not a whole lot of obese people over there. So that's number one. Number two, a lot of people walk. They walk a lot. (laughs) Uh, The roads in Ireland are very tiny. They are very narrow. Um, The cars are very small. And so it was not uncommon for us to go into, you know, pretty much any major city and see people walking everywhere. And so likewise, we did a lot of walking while we were there. Something else I noticed is that um, fast food places are few and far between. There are not a lot of fast food places in Ireland, um, at least in Ireland. Now, we haven't been anywhere else in Europe, so I'm only speaking for Ireland. Um, But there are a lot of fast, not a lot of fast food places in Ireland. Um, And even if there are fast food places, holy cannolis, they are expensive, (laughs) you guys. So here in Texas, I live in, um, in McKinney, Texas. And so it's, it's a pretty big city, you know, um, about an hour north of Dallas, right? There are donut shops. I mean, literally on every corner, (laughs) there are probably maybe five, donut shops just within a two to three mile radius of my house. So um, it's unreal. (laughs) And that's just donut shops. Okay, I'm not even talking about the fast food places that are also very close to my house. So 
in Ireland, that's definitely not the case. We saw one donut shop. Now, the donuts were massive. We actually didn't stop to eat them because they were $10 a piece. (laughs) So we're not just talking about your regular run-of-the-mill donut, right? But over there, these types of... um, they're really considered treats, okay? In America, yeah, whatever. You know, we'll stop for donuts on our way to work on Wednesday. I know for for us personally, um, Sunday is our donut day. We get donuts as a family every single Sunday, and that's our thing. Um, mostly because that's honestly how I grew up. My dad would take my sister and I out for donuts on Sunday before church, um, and that was our special thing that we did. So, um, it's very different <laughs> over in Ireland, at least. Now, if you live somewhere else in Europe, you could probably also attest to some of these things as well. Um, another thing that we noticed is that in Ireland, there's not a whole lot of drink choices. So um, my husband is a Coca-Cola fan, okay? So over there, we may have found Coca-Cola, maybe Pepsi, but that was pretty much the only soda available. If there were other sodas available, they were diet sodas, which is not necessarily good, but I didn't go into the ingredients of those diet sodas themselves, okay? Another thing that we noticed about Ireland is that the food is is not nearly not nearly as rich and it wasn't as flavorful. And I don't say that in any any sort of bad way. That's just the way that they eat. However, We went to one restaurant in particular, and I had a sandwich, and my husband had a burger, and um, I asked, it it offered not French fries (laughs) for a side, which is very common in America, Um, but it was either, I think it was either like fruit or yogurt. I'm like, yeah, you know, I'll try the yogurt. Y'all, this was fresh yogurt from their own cows. (laughs) So this was not just, you know, regular Yoplait yogurt that you pull out of the fridge. No, they gave me like this big old container of fresh yogurt. And I guess it was probably pronounced yogurt, whatever. Um, I'm not very educated on yogurt, but you get what I'm saying. So it's just completely different over there. Come back to America. Now, like I said, I live in a very residential city. Um, we have a population of, I think over 200,000 at this point. Um, If you see somebody walking on the sidewalk, you wonder, oh, they must not have a car (laughs) or they don't have a bike or whatever. Um, You know, we drive everywhere. Everywhere we drive everywhere. Um, There are gyms all over the place. Um, However, as a personal trainer myself, I know that the retention rate of those gyms is very, very low um, because in America, we are so busy. We are constantly on the go. We hardly ever stop. And likewise, uh, we probably put way too much trust into the food industry um, to basically take care of us and take care of the food that we are putting into our own bodies. So, Anyways, back to this article on everydayhealth.com. So what's the big deal, you may ask? What's the big deal about additives? Um, You know, what are the main things that we need to know? Okay, so there are certain food additives, um, you know, that are found in bread, baked goods, candy, um, etc., that are permitted 
in the United States that are not allowed in Europe. Well, why is this? <laughs> why is one certain food additive allowed in America um, when it's completely banned from Europe altogether? Um, and the reason is um, that Europe tends to take more of a proactive approach to some of these additives. So to be clear, these additives... Um, they, they make our food look pretty. They make our food last so much longer. They increase the flavor of our food. Um, and so that's what they are used for. Okay. Um, and as such, we as Americans, we like that. We really like food that's bright in color, especially kids. Okay. So kids are super drawn to the candy that has those bright, bright colors in it. Um, you know, we are drawn to milk that doesn't expire for two weeks. Okay. So you get what I'm saying? <laughs> so probably one of the key differences, and this is just from this article, straight from this article. One key difference is that historically the United States has more, been more insistent in focusing on the probability or likelihood of hazards or bad things occurring. And the European Union approach has been more precautionary. They give attention to not just probabilities of something going wrong, but also the mere possibility. So the thing about all these different additives, and I'll go through kind of the list here in just a minute. These additives, most of them have been shown to have a possibility of being carcinogenic. And by possibility, I mean they have caused cancer in, in rat and mice studies. So the U.S. kind of takes that information. It's like, oh, you know, there really haven't been a whole lot of human trials on that, though. So let's just go ahead and assume that they're okay for humans because it hasn't been tested in humans. And let's just go ahead and push them out there. Whereas the European Union is like, uh, wait a minute. <laughs> if this has caused cancer in mice and, mice and rats, then why should we assume that it's okay for humans to consume? So that is just one, one thing. Um, the FDA or the Food and Drug Administration logs behind Europe in updating regulations and reevaluating additives. So some of the additives that were tested decades ago haven't been tested again to check for safety. Um, and don't you think that's important? <laughs> because it kind of goes back to, um, I think, what I was talking about uh, in episode one is that, you know, not necessarily that research can change, but we need to, we always need to be researching. We always need to be learning. We always need to be unsatisfied with what we currently find in something and what we currently know. Um, we shouldn't just accept, um, you know, the research from 50 or 60 years ago and just let it be. We have to keep growing. We have to keep learning. We have to keep expanding. So thankfully, um, you know, the, the, I guess the knowledge of food additives and um, adding colors to our foods and things like that, the knowledge of this and kind of the, the caution around it has really increased in the United States, especially over the past several, several years. And so for the most part, manufacturers are starting to change the way that they make some things. Um, because the public is saying, we don't want that in our food, get it out. Um, so um, here's another important piece to 
keep in mind for this. And this definitely goes into um, episode one about research and uh, the food industry kind of having an influence over that research. Well, guess what? (laughs) Um, The food industry here in America also has a huge... um, A very big voice, I guess I'll say, when it comes to these food additives and if they're safe, if they're not safe, if they should be used, if they shouldn't be used. Um, It's it's pretty amazing (laughs) that the food industry here in America has such a strong voice, but there's such a huge, I guess, economy (laughs) for the food industry. So um, a lot of times... The voice of the food industry is very loud, so loud that it can't be ignored. And so it just helps to drive the creation of that regulation and the policies that exist around these additives. So, all right. So what additives are we talking about here? Okay. Again, this is all on this article at Everyday Health. Titanium dioxide is one of them. Um, This additive is used for coloring. It's found in Skittles, Starburst, baked goods, soups, broths, sauces, and sandwich spreads. Um, This is kind of (laughs) gross. Titanium dioxide is something that can build up over time. It doesn't get excreted very well. Uh, This additive has been shown to be genotoxic in studies, which is why it's banned in Europe. And um, genotoxicity refers to the ability of a chemical substance to damage the DNA. Yikes. That's really scary, guys. Um, Okay, let's see. What's another one? Potassium bromate. So this additive is used in white flour, bread, and rolls to increase the volume of the bread and to give it a fine crumb, not crusty structure. Most bromate rapidly breaks down to a form bromide, which is actually harmless. However, bromate has been shown to cause cancer in animals and trace amounts of the chemical may remain in bread, which could potentially be a small health risk to consumers. Now, I don't know what small means. (laughs) That sounds like it could be all relative. So bromate has actually been banned in most countries around the world except for Japan and the United States. Um, Let's see. Many millers and bakers have stopped using bromate, and it's really used in California because a cancer warning may may have to be included on the label. Okay, let's see. BHA and BHT. Okay, so BHA is butylated hydroxyanisole. <laughs> BHA and butylated hydroxytoluene BHT. So these additives work as preservatives for foods that contain oils or fats. It preserves food and keeps them from getting rancid. Okay, so that sounds fine, right? Um, however, there's a concern risk uh, for cancer with a BHA. Um, BHT is the chemical cousin to BHA and the two components or compounds are often used together. Um, let's see. It's not listed as a carcinogen, but there have been studies where rats fed BHT have developed cancer and it has been shown to cause developmental effects and thyroid changes in animals. Um, this is one that a lot of people are, are um, aware of. Recombinant bovine growth hormone, or RBGH, and the R is lowercase, and then BGH is uppercase. 
So this this article says there's a big movement that was featured prominently in the news a little more than a decade ago for the dairy industry to be hormone-free. There are some brands of hormone-free dairy products available, but there are many that still contain them. The major concern is that there, there are hormone-dependent cancers. So not everyone agrees that this poses a risk, um, but some people will say that these hormones aren't biologically active hormones, that they're that are getting transferred to the human body. But others would say that we don't know because all of the data that comes from an, comes from animal studies and it's not coming from human studies. Um, and of course, colors, which is a whole other podcast episode on its own, right? <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I'm not even going to dive into that right now, but this includes yellow number five, yellow number six, red number 40. Um, these have been tied um, to cancer, uh, red number 40 and blue number one, I believe have also been tied to increased ADHD, um, tendencies in children that already have that, or, um, even aggressive tendencies in children with ADHD. Um, for our, our last foster daughter that was with us, red number 40 was off the table for her. So, uh, she loved hot Cheetos and, we had to kick those out the door um, because I definitely noticed a change in her attitude, not for the better, um, when she consumed those foods. So um, here is another article on, uh, let me go back up here, National Library of Medicine, um, effects of food additives on immune cells as contributors to body weight gain and immune-mediated metabolic dysregulation. So what all that means is that um, basically this article is about how food additives affect our weight and may affect our immune system as well. So there's a lot of really good information in this article um, in particular. Let me go back down here. So the current view is that the modern lifestyle characterized by overeating associated with low physical activity leads to increased weight and fat mass, mass gain through a shifted energy balance. Okay, so basically, um, if you haven't been able to lose weight by going to the gym or whatever, um, you are blamed because uh, you're eating too many calories. Okay, so that's basically what the age old <laughs> um, reasoning behind this is. But not all calories are created equal. Um, and so that's, that's a really big thing, uh, that I have learned as being a personal trainer and also just, uh, going through my own weight struggles as well. That, uh, you know, 120 calories of saltines is not going to give you the same nutritional benefit as eating a 90 calorie banana. Okay. So it seems pretty basic, right? (laughs) But if you're using a calorie tracker and you're only counting calories and you're not looking at the nutrition, you may not realize how big of a difference it's going to make. So um, in modern societies, the easy access to food, together with the demand for highly palatable and ready-to-serve products, lead to the generalized consumption of industrialized processed foods. Processed food lacking in vitamins, fibers, and minerals, and dense in calories in the form of fat and simple sugar are thus considered the main villains of modern diets. The contribution of excessive calorie intake to the alarming increase in obesity witnessed in the last three decades is undeniable. So basically, in America at least, the theme is um, 
We have a diet rich in calories, but very devoid of nutrition. Um, And that's why so many of us are dealing with so many difficulties, not just with overweight or, um, you know, having a larger waistline than what's healthy, um, but the incidence of diabetes, oh my goodness, it has just increased so much. So um, about one in 10 people, Americans, um, one in 10 Americans have diabetes Um, and about 90 to 95% of these incidents are type two diabetes and type two diabetes is the one that has been very closely tied to diet. Okay. And can usually be reversed if you correct your diet. Um, and even more than one in three people have pre-diabetes. So we can't just sit back and think that what we put into our body doesn't matter (laughs) because it does, especially here in America where processed food, fast food is so readily available. We have got to take an outsider view on this and really look into these ingredients and not just the ingredients by themselves, but the synergistic effect that these additives have when they are paired together, put together into one food item, and then we ingest it into our system. So um, I'm not going to to go into this anymore. I'm already over time anyways, but I'm going to post these articles for you. Um, Overall, uh, these two articles have really good um, resources as far as what additives have been studied. Um, Of course, this is not an exhaustive list of articles out there, but it is something to get you started. So I hope this was helpful for you. Um, Thank you so much for tuning in and I look forward to talking to you later.